We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live, the people of the Gubby Gubby Nation, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Take A Seat Podcast. This podcast brings awareness to disability sports and supports. We are talking to experts and athletes with a disability from around the world. All right, boys, time for the uh, sponsorship read. Let's get into it. Of course, we want a website, uh, some details about their programs and maybe where people can find them on the socials. Yeah, love it. Well, we'll start off with the website. So www.suncoastspinners.com.au is where you can find all of their upcoming information about any events, tournaments, local programs, uh, where to be and what time. Uh, Spot on, Jimmy. Great. Over to you, Cam. Definitely Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We don't know about TikTok. We we might have to get them onto TikTok, definitely. They're not a very big social media. Well, we know that they have a link tree which has all of them listed on it. So jump on their link tree and you'll be able to find it from suncoastspinners.com.au. And who are we thanking for the money? Uh, I want to throw a big shout out to Bridie Keane and the rest of the board for supporting us and backing us on this venture. You guys are doing really well at this now. You're getting real pro, to be honest. (laughs) We'll we'll cut this up and it will sound beautiful when we get it to air. Love it. Let's get into it. We're back. We're in the studio. I have a fresh haircut. And we have a new guest. Episode 24, very special guest, Dr. Bridie King. Who is the president of Sunco Spinners. Also captained Australia's women's gliders in London 2012, the Silver. And she's a proud sponsor with the rest of the board of this podcast. Absolutely. Now, this episode, guys, it's a good one. We tried to actually make it about Sunco Spinners, the reverse inclusion program, and their recent tournament, and their, well, sorry, their annual tournament. But we also got some uh, some tough questions in there for Bridie, didn't we? We did. We did. And we also brought in a little bit about her background and who she is without going too deep into that, because that's a whole nother podcast. Oh, we could, yeah. We could quite easily have her on for part two, part three. Maybe we ask her and we get her in for a couple more episodes. Absolutely. But we also name dropped the next guest. So let us know in the comments who you think it is. We hope you enjoy the episode. Bridie, welcome to the Tech Seed Project. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. So we actually have you here. Well, I mean, we could do plenty of different interviews i guess we could but the reason we got here is from a bit more of a support style i guess don't we cam we have yeah so it's going to be prioritizing talking about one sunco spinners who you are the president of Mm -hmm. and then secondly their reverse inclusion initiative great how that's been going over the last what five years and then most recently the return to the sunco spinners tournament amazing yeah so I guess where should we start, Cam? What do you want to start with? I think we've got to uh, start with who Bridie Keane is. I know you said well, president of Sunco Spinners, but reality, who she really is. Her 30-second bio, what do you reckon? 30-second elevator pitch? Yeah. I'm for it. Are you going to do it, James, for mm-hmm. me, or what? I need to do it Well, let's, 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 let's give a bit of a um, – let's give you a crack, and then, right. I'll, and then I'll give you a crack. You know, there's so many times that uh, I think I've helped mum write a few bios, so I think I've got it. I think I've got your bio down, Pat. Okay. Not everything, not all the nitty-gritty details, but I'm sure you can give a good one, so – Okay. Well, we'll keep it. We'll keep it on. Um, on I guess theme of your podcast. So, as you said, I'm the president of Sunco Spinners. Very proud to be the president of such an amazing organisation. We obviously deliver wheelchair sports here on the Sunshine Coast and now beyond into our regions. The way I guess I became president is I am a former elite wheelchair basketball athlete, current social 
wheelchair basketball athlete. <laughs> Love this game. So I retired from high performance wheelchair basketball now seven years ago. And during my career, I was really fortunate to play for Australia at the 2008 and 2012 Paralympic Games where we won bronze and silver respectively. And since then, when I retired from wheelchair basketball, I, I really came back to what it meant to be involved in the sport at a social level and how exciting it was for me as a kid to discover that it even existed and was it was an opportunity for me to play. So that's that's how I became involved in, in Suncoast Spinners as the president. Now, you said that bronze 2008, silver 2012, what you missed out was that you captained Australia gliders to silver 2012. Now, where, what I think is a really interesting sort of thing to link back to is your time at Il- Illinois. 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 Can you share a bit about oh, that? Why'd I'd you love go, to. Like, why, why, why'd you go to Illinois? I went, so the University of Illinois is such an incredible place to go to play wheelchair basketball. My motivation for going there was Honestly, I was at this point in my career where I was on the fringe of the Australian team. I was in the Australian squad and I had never made an Australian team. And I had two teammates who were there, Shelley Chaplin and Kathleen O'Kelly-Kennedy, and I was just hearing about what the, what the program was like over there for student athletes to play wheelchair basketball. And I knew that if I wanted to reach my potential in wheelchair basketball, whether that would be to just be a squad member or if I was going to, you know, make the team, I needed to go to Illinois. And so I just picked up my stuff and moved there, moved in with Shelly and Kat. They gave me, me a home and I was there for three months training just with their team. They, they were kind enough to let me train alongside the team. And during that time, I prepared my application to go to university there because it was an incredible place to train. We trained five mornings a week on court together with about 15 to 20 student athletes. Then we're in the gym three times a week. And when we had any spare time, we would scrimmage in the afternoons. And just the amount of basketball we were playing on the weekends, it was an incredible place to learn the game. And it was headed up by Michael Frogley, who I know you know, James, who is just the guru of wheelchair basketball and the most incredible coach most incredible coach and human and I just wanted to be a part of his program and he did everything he could to help me sort of prepare an application and I got in the university and it was actually like being in an American movie. It was so cool. It was it Who was wouldn't want to be a place. part of a program that Michael <laughs> Frog is running, right? Like Exactly. But also just talking about the level of basketball and the amount that you were playing here in Australia, we don't have that. Like uh, yeah. the Suncoast Spinners tournament is one of the only tournaments or and you play what seven eight nine games on a weekend at the start of the year and that's probably the only wheelchair basketball that we really get now it's getting better but before 2012 there was nothing like that so being able to play that level is unreal yeah that's right and that's why i went but what what started to have this impact on me and it was the way frog was running the program was there was he was always talking about how they were developing people and it was about our character not our ability to play basketball and it and whilst I was there and I was making, I guess, gains in the wheelchair basketball sense in, and improving the skills and technical and tactical knowledge of the game, what was also happening was I was learning about their program and the program that the University of Illinois has for wheelchair athletics was founded by Dr. Timothy Nugent, who used to actually come across and watch our games when we were playing. And Dr. Nugent, he founded the program after the World War when he found that a lot of war veterans didn't have the opportunities to play sport or go to university and so the university that the students at the time used to break down the barriers of everyday life 
by being these pioneers in both sport and then just students on campus and they used to it, there used to be this saying that they did it they broke down those barriers so that the next generation would have a barrier free experience and so when you actually are on campus at the University of Illinois it is the most accessible place i've ever seen they have they have dormitory style living which is really common like you, most people do that in their freshman or first year of of college over there and they had a dormitory that was for people with high support needs or students with high support needs. So the environment was completely adapted so that people with disabilities had the same experience as campus as everyone else, which is highly impressive, particularly because quite a few months of the year we spent with lots and lots of snow, which now living on the sunny coast, I just can't even yeah. <laughs> can't even so fathom when, what we used to do. When was your time over there? So it was 2008 to and. 11. And you still can't even find some stadiums around the coast with facilities like that. Or That's you know, right. talk about stadiums, talk about universities in, in general, or buildings in general, because it costs too much. Yeah. And, and when you see what they are able to do over there, I just think we, we all need to learn from places like the University of Illinois. It's final incredible. final point on, on international basketball, and then we're going to really <laughs> train line this back to spinners. <laughs> what about Toronto? Is it Toronto? You, yep. uh, Canada's wheel, head of wheelchair basketball or like their HQ of wheelchair yep. basketball is, am I right in saying that that was built as the world's most inclusive sports stadium specifically for wheelchair? It is my understanding. Hopefully Frog listens to this and it's accurate. If you're listening, Frog, I hope this is accurate in saying I think that was the case when they they built that stadium. And I remember having conversations with Frog around how they went above and beyond. I've been to that stadium later for a Paralympic conference actually and it was incredible. But I think it was it was not just about universal design. It was actually thinking about all the things a para-athlete would benefit from in a facility and they were able to incorporate that into the design of that venue and I think it was built for the Pan Am Games. So that drove drove the some of the construction of it but it had an inclusive mindset. And I remember us talking about this, how it's very different and this is how I view accessibility when I think about it. Like it's not a ramp out the back of a venue to me is not inclusive. It's when we build facilities where everyone just goes through the front door. Like We've why not said just like for like, haven't we? So like for like is the experience as to someone walking up the stairs, someone in a wheelchair should be able to go straight yeah. in the front door exactly the same way. You shouldn't need to push ten kilometers down the road to be able to get in. Yeah, the wheelchair accessible parking might be at the front door, but the ramp is generally 500 yeah. metres down the road. So, yeah, thinking of pre-planning it to be inclusive from the get-go. Yeah. And the last thing, sorry, I'm, I'm no, taking no. over this, <laughs> yeah. but on, in the Sunshine Coast we have, we will be hosting some of the Olympic and Paralympic Games in 2032 and some of my involvement with council and, and working on some of the legacy plans with council, I always say that. I'm like, if we can think about how to make every restaurant and start the building pieces early, we get closer to, I think, a society where we have that. It, it might happen in pieces where we make more small changes, but ultimately if everyone can use the same entry or if everyone can use the same bathrooms, that's closer to an inclusive world, I think. Absolutely. Let's bring it back to spinners. So Sharon pretty well roped you in like uh, like what you see in those comedy shows and you mm -hmm. see like the what is it like the sheep the guy the sheep herder with the what's that hook called oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. shepherd's hook like a, sh a shepherd's thing. hook is that yeah. yeah so Sharon basically shepherd hooks Bridie into president of Sunco Spinners almost pretty well coached her into that into that role once we lost um, Jeremy Sinnott yeah and from there 
What's your involvement been with Suncoast Spinners or where is the club gone from that position? Oh, good good question. And Jeremy was such a, a great person to have involved in Spinners. And, yeah, so when Sharon asked me to be spinner, Spinners president, it was right at the beginning of the reverse inclusion initiative, the first one, James, that you well, were pretty even, much even before that, drove. It, what, was it before that? It was that year. I think it was the year where we were also – so just to clarify, Rolling when we out. say the year, the year is the year that Variety was running a USC Seeds program, student elite education development, dual, dual education, yeah. seeds. Yeah, so it? that's what it was. Um, student education, education and elite sport, dual pathway, something yeah. rather. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was basically we were trying to support para student athletes to combine sport and study. But you did more um, than that because you also supported. Coaches, yeah, and I think the goal was to also do officials. It was. It was basically to support para sport. So anyone involved in para sport that was studying at the university at the time was eligible to apply for support through that program. But you, James, identified that we couldn't have competitions because there weren't numbers. And I think we just had this conversation then about, well, how do we grow numbers in wheelchair basketball more broadly? And it led to our first initiative by Suncoast Spinners to roll out the reverse inclusion initiative, which just went, oh, was huge. That year was huge in just getting wheelchair basketball as a reverse inclusion initiative into schools, into the university. That was really cool. We had wheelchair basketball on the social sport calendar. So along with, you know, volleyball or I don't know what other basketball, sports. Touch, basketball, touch, yeah. swimming. Yeah. It was on their, yeah, on their main poster boards for the USC sports events. Well, I was going to say, uh, I'm glad you said USC because just to give the uh, yeah, listeners sorry. some context, not Illinois, yeah. but University of Sunshine Coast. I'm lucky enough that I went to USC and I was in at USC at the same time. Time. So I kind of gathered yeah. where you're talking about. And did about. you play wheelchair basketball? No, I didn't. I, I did play touch. So I was yeah. a part of that development uh, process and everything. Uh, so I was lucky enough to know about the SEEDS program. But for the listeners, it, it is the University of Sunshine Coast. And the program that the guys are talking about was unbelievable because it brought in a lot of people from all ranges of different sporting backgrounds. It wasn't just wheelchair basketball, yeah. but it was to open the door and really change the narrative of what is now Suncoast Spinners and Reverse Inclusion but also the elite program and having the para swimmers that are now at USC. And there's a lot that has come from that program. Well, so the swimming program was already there. That had been established by Professor Brendan Burkett. He had done incredible things to set, set up a para swimming squad, but the seeds program brought in support for those swimmers to apply for scholarships because a lot of them were actually enrolled at USC and then swimming. Self, self self-funded? Oh, like. Like, a, well, the scholarship, the scholarship provided extra support for them to yeah. like balance. Well, I, I remember like when, so I was, you had me, you gave me a scholarship for coaching. Yeah. And the support that that gave was was huge. Just having the students, uh, like the academic support. Yeah. Just having someone to talk to about your assessment that was, that was, that knew the background of, like, I don't think he was specifically specialized in any of the classes that I was doing, but he was just someone that would sit down with you for an hour and go over your thoughts of what you were thinking about the assessment. And he's like, oh, look, maybe you could explain that a bit better. Like, I don't know this thing, but by that sentence, you don't really sound like you know it either. <laughs> and that, James, it actually is interesting because that idea, so the academic support, was something that had come from Illinois. So when we'd been in, when I'd been in Illinois, I'd said to Frog as I was leaving, we need better support for student athletes in Australia. And it was funny because we used to have, we used to have to clock up eight hours in this 
it was like a library, but for student athletes, they had to go there and study for eight hours. It was one of the conditions in your first year. So that was one of the first things I brought across to the SEEDS program, like that academic support, because it's really hard when you're when you're an athlete and then you're also, maybe it's your first year of university and you're balancing Absolutely. Um, mm. All these competing demands. So that oh, that life. came straight from Illinois. <laughs> social <laughs> yeah. 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 Tough place to live. But even uh, like someone that, you know, I, I was playing sport and whatever else, but a university student, when I come in through school and went in to do my degree, they literally had us do four of the hardest subjects deliberately. Like they, they said they were high school subjects, but to do your degree, they, for cell biology at the start, it was high school cell biology and whatever else they, they claimed to be. But they deliberately made the hardest assignment, the first one, because it was before census date. So if anyone didn't want to do university, they kind of scared them out of the door. So, you know, having that sort of support, I'm lucky enough to be Indigenous. So I got to tutoring through Indigenous studies sort of thing. And that made a massive difference just for myself to be able to get a little bit of tutoring in my first year to go, okay, wow, that, I wasn't expecting that for university. So a student athlete who's juggling life mm. and coming from school or wherever they've come from to be able to get that further education. And it's a big thing after finishing sport to have something on the back end. That's it. They're always talking about what are you going to do once you retire? What have you got available to you to retire with? And maybe not a degree for everyone is what it is, but the opportunity to is massive. Yeah, and I think that and that was underpinning it, right, as well, that, that we in Paralympic sport we need to be enabling these para-athletes to be either studying or working alongside alongside their sporting careers. We're not not too many para athletes are making enough sport of a living enough money off their sport to make a living, particularly post retirement. And we also see that in the disability community, we're underrepresented in numbers in universities, like in enrollments in universities and in employment. So it was a gap that I think had a lot of yeah, it was a really important thing to start to look at, well, what are some of the barriers for para-athletes who are combining their sport with study and then how can we just take those barriers away and provide them with more support? And so it was then it was then the, the review process. It was, it was a yeah. year after this program had, had happened at USC. I think we were both proud of, of what had come of it. I was proud of what I'd, what I'd done and certainly very thankful for what I'd gotten out of it. I remember I did, I did the review process mm -hmm. and it was with a, an external student. And then I was walking past your office with Florin mm -hmm. and you pulled me in and Florin asked me, I think you were, you were there or if not, you'd come in just after. Florin asked me, give me two stars and a wish. Well, he asked me, like, yeah, you know, how, right. yeah. how did your review go? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, look, it was all right. Like, I don't know, like I just answered the questions and whatnot. And he's like, yeah, okay. But realistically, give me two stars and a wish. And I said, more money. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one was... Uh, I think I said like more more court time or more more yeah. something or other. Uh, sorry, no, the positive. No, sorry, it was two stars in a wish. So two stars being the positive. So the positive was the money and the academic support, and then the wish was just more people. Yeah, and it was at that that time he was looking at grants that were available, mm -hmm. um, to which he then forwarded that on to. He said, "Who I speak to about with spinners to get this happening with spinners?" To which he contacted Sharon, my yep. mum, and to which then the two of you, the three of you, sat down and and derived what was to be the first reverse inclusion initiative by yeah. Suncoast Spinners in 2017. Where has that gone to? Because you oh. and I worked tirelessly for, I think, yeah. that first year. Yeah. I think the numbers the numbers were staggering, Cam. Like we, yeah. you delivered to over 25,000 people through was, large group presentations. Yeah. I delivered to over 4,000 students in a year. We had something like 52 delivered programs between us. And then, so the club went from when I started 10 years ago, an average of five people participating to now having 30 odd 
And you yeah. probably came in at the point where it was maybe like it was after Jez. So Jez had like good numbers. Mm, yeah, he did. Yeah. He was at like 22 in his time in terms of participants. And then we had the reverse inclusion and then it just went gangbusters. Bananas. And when you say at 30, that's an average of 30 like every week. It, you yeah. have yeah, yeah. more. You have more across the board and everything. The Take a Seat podcast is in your ears thanks to the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a wheelchair-based sporting club. They run social inclusion programs, including but not limited to basketball and rugby. If you want to get involved with the Suncoast Spinners programs, you can just rock up at Mergen, Morayfield and Sippy Downs on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays or contact them on Instagram, Facebook or their website www.suncoastspinners.com.au. The Suncoast Spinners programs are for people of all ages and abilities. They're looking for players, officials and volunteers to help with all of their programs. So make sure you check out the Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram or on their website again, www.suncoastspinners.com.au. Can we explain what reverse inclusion is to everybody? Because I know what it is. I've, I've been Suncoast Spinners as, as a sponsor of this podcast and we're so heavily involved with Suncoast Spinners and are extremely yeah. grateful for what they've given us as a starting platform and have, you know, we've now, this will be episode 24. So we've promoted Suncoast Spinners and the reverse inclusion yeah. over and over and over, not because it's our sponsor, but because we're so invested and we love the program. Mm. And for the listeners, what is reverse inclusion and Suncoast Spinners as a whole? I guess I'll answer it for me, not for spinners, because it might, well, we've, we do have, I guess we've we've summarised it for spinners. But for me, it's it's an intention of when you develop something by trying to create an environment where the sport that maybe we say traditionally played for people with a disability, so I'm going to say like wheelchair sports, like rugby and basketball as an example, can be used as a way to create inclusion. So the reverse bit is a bit of... Is it, it an oxymoron? I like, think it's more that it's um, implied. Yeah, because it's traditionally those sports would be played by people with a disability, but we're wanting or the Reverse Inclusion Initiative uses those sports that would be traditionally used by those that have an impairment or a disability are actually being is used as the medium to, to cr- create. create inclusion. Yeah. And I guess there's a few things there where where we've all we've always done this in wheelchair basketball. It's not it's not new that people without a physical impairment play the sport. We've always done it to build numbers, mm-hmm. but it sort of happened without intention. Or, or, or it's not something we've focused on as a way to grow the sport or as a way to create inclusion. It's happened in our social programs where people without impairments were always welcome to play, but it would usually be a sibling might come along and play. Whereas what spinners did or what we have done is we have intentionally used this mode of inviting people without impairments to belong in our sport, just like people with an impairment, so that we grow the sport, so that we grow opportunities for people with a disability to play the sport because you can't play wheelchair basketball. I have tried many times. You cannot play wheelchair basketball with one person. It is not a fun training session. Two people doesn't do it either. Two people, it's just one-on-one shadow the whole time, one-on-one, and it's not the sport we love. So it creates... It creates more opportunities to play at that social level for people with a disability and it also is just such a fun sport. Everyone should play wheelchair basketball. It's the best sport. So (laughs) we're just actually bringing the joy that is wheelchair basketball to more people. So so it's an intentional 
it's an intentional thing that we're doing reverse inclusion. I guess that's what, yeah. what it means to me. And also I think it's important to note that Paralympic sport and my my high-performance Paralympic yeah. career yeah. is exclusive. Paralympic sport's exclusive. It's for people with an impairment that is classified, so you need to be classifiable in the chosen sport. It is the players that will have the talent and the ability to go to the top will be the ones with pathways in Paralympic sport. That's exclusive by nature. Whereas reverse inclusion is to create an environment where we're just saying we want everyone who can to play sport together. That's that's a key difference, I think. Absolutely. I was going to say, taking the summary of what you guys have just said from someone that's from the outside looking back into it, you said that obviously inclusiveness, people with a disability are always looking to be included into a sport. By reverse inclusion, you are inviting people without a disability to in, be involved in their sport as the reverse of the inclusion because they're not necessarily, you know, someone with a disability is trying to be included in basketball or whatever and may be excluded generally. So yeah. you've changed the narrative and gone, okay, well, we've got a sport. You can come and join our sport so that you feel a part of our community, you feel involved, and everyone is welcome in the same sort of community. You know what's which funny? Which is unbelievable. In what you just said, I think it's trying to remove that factor of what you just said. That's, that's what I, I mean. mean. I don't mean to like pick out you, yeah, but like the way that you, the, the words that you just used to describe that and saying, we want to invite you to our community, and then you finish it off with being, we want to be a community. That's exactly what the Reverse Inclusion Initiative is, is supposed to be doing or is aim, aims to do is to get wheelchair sports into schools, into the mainstream mm. locations, kids having changed perspective. Like, and this was the biggest thing about it was like we would go to schools and kids would be like, oh, like, no, no, like mum said, like, I can't play it. Like, I don't have a disability or that's for people with disabilities. It's like, mate, like, just give it a crack. Like, it's just a sport. Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. I mean, our first our first program in 2017 between, who was it, BYU State and... Mulaney. Mulaney. I was just watching the video on your website. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but the, re the reason I say that is because other people that wouldn't know the words that I just used and it being necessarily wrong is that's how people perceive it and the way but that I, they would say it. But I think it's it. also okay. Like not everyone, I wouldn't speak for, for I would never speak for everyone with a disability. It was my experience. Yeah, my yeah, experience yeah. of disability was that I never played sport with my siblings. So... When I did, I did play sport with my siblings, but I was always the slowest, struggling to play basketball, stand-up basketball on prosthetics. It was always difficult for me, whereas when I discovered wheelchair basketball and my sister, who's a, who was a gun basketball player, she was fantastic, she played in a wheelchair with me. It was a, it was a different experience of inclusion because... I could bring her into into a sport where we felt like we were on equal playing field, but that's just my experience. I know we said we were going to mm. stick to spinners and all that, but can I really quick ask a question about you? Sure. Direct it, direct it to you and your experience. Yeah. Did you feel that because you have prosthetics and you're able to walk, that wheelchair sports weren't for you? Oh yes. So when I and I wasn't exposed to it. So when I have I have really clear memories of my childhood and sport because. My family's really sporty and I was too. My mum had tried to <laughs> direct me into craft. <laughs> so she, so my, my siblings did little athletics on the weekends and then I would go to craft lessons and she would pay $20, which back then was probably like $60 or $70 a week for me to do craft. And whatever I brought home, she would hang around the house with so much pride. And as we grew up, we were like, 
Oh, that's so bad. Like I was, so, I was, I was not interested in it. I just wanted to play sport, and so that was my mum's way of trying to find something where I was on an equal playing field, where I didn't need to run or attempt to run, but I just kept going back to sport and wanting to be like my sister who was who was playing basketball. So I did start playing basketball and I really struggled with running up and down the court. It was really painful, but I have really good memories of it. I shot the first three-pointer in my domestic under nine or under tens team and I just remember that competitive drive and then a season later I had surgery and I like I would go and watch the team and I was devastated so I have all these memories of how important sport was to me and just not being able to do it and then I it was not until I was 13 that I wanted to play wheelchair basketball because I did I did look at it and go oh well I, I wouldn't play wheelchair sports because I I can walk. I just can't keep up with everyone else. And it was when I met Liesl Tesh at the Paralympic Games and she signed my prosthetic foot and she was just so awesome, which thinking about the fact that she took time out of her Paralympic campaign to come and talk to all of us at the time meant that many of us, including me, went and actually pursued wheelchair basketball and then I went on to, you know, be a teammate of Lisa. So it was a defining moment to actually have a role model and see the gliders in action and go, oh, the wheelchair is a piece of sporting equipment to play this game and I need to get over the fact that, you know, I can walk and so should I be playing wheelchair sports? And it was just from there it was game changing because then it was pushing laps up and down my garage trying to, you know, increase my chair skills. It really did become a piece of sporting equipment that then gave an avenue to pursue wheelchair basketball. It was really cool. Love that. It's unbelievable that someone has impacted your life. And that's something that we've got across the theme of all the episodes is that someone has impacted their wanting to be in the sport or has mm. included them in the sport or helped them out or given them a chair. And I know it's pretty code mm. across wheelchair sports in particular, and I know, James, you've said it over and over and over, and Corey Mostrand from episode five has said it for wheelchair league and things, but when someone has a chair and they're getting a new chair, yeah. you give it to someone else that doesn't have a chair or is looking to get into the sport and little bits of advice or Lisa will come in and talking yeah. to you, just give you that motivation of wheelchair basketball is a sport that I can do and mm. I want to be involved in. And then it's led to Suncoast spinners and reverse inclusion and that tiny moment has led to this huge, huge opportunity in your life. Yeah, and I think that wheelchair basketball is like that and Illinois was like that for sure. The program we, we used to get get reminded by our coaches that we should leave the program a little better than how we found it in whatever avenue that, that might be that we do really well academically or that we take take a piece of that and sort of go back and do some work where where we live after after we graduate from university and and I think that's kind of the magic of wheelchair basketball is that once you're in that community there's there's not just the sport there's everything that comes with that and the tournament's actually one of the places I see that the most is that it, that it's so much more than a game of basketball it's sort of the impact it has in the community and how we all are a part of that community so let's uh let's take that option yeah. to transition okay. so let's transition straight to the tournament um, so if you'd like to find out anything more about reverse inclusion, where can you head, Bridie? So the Suncoast Spinners website, we have a reverse inclusion web tab. We have a, well, we have a tab. A website we do have a tab. Design, yeah. don't we? Yeah. yeah. I think it's still being developed. Yeah. Google them, suncoastspinners.com.au now. Yeah. But yeah, moving on to their tournament, which was recently held in January. Yeah. Recently back from COVID. Yeah. So we had yeah. a two-year hiatus. Yeah. And that was 
That was all oh, this. We did trivia, didn't we, Cam? We did. <laughs> oh, okay, well, so for the listeners, yeah. uh, if any of you would like to hire out uh, some MCs for the evening for some great trivia, Cameron and myself, we make ourselves available. Contact us on taxiproject.com.au. Uh, no, no, AU. We're not AU. We're worldwide.com. Oh, 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 yeah, mm. we, we haven't gone to that AU okay. yet. Yeah, so two-year hiatus from COVID. We're able to deliver this back. What were the stats from the weekend? The stats were amazing. We had 150 players. They played in 18 teams across three divisions. So that's a lot of wheelchair basketball. Yeah, it was sensational to be there. Cameron and I were there. Oh, I was there all weekend assisting with the delivery uh, and running of it. Cameron came in, dropped in. We did some footage uh, of a few players and whatnot. We've got a few people. So that'll be coming up shortly on our socials. We did a social takeover and we haven't released it yet because we got a, it's, it's some good content coming. There's some good yeah. stuff coming. Actually, there's even better stuff. I double tapped the record button on my phone. So I thought I finished the video and it kept oh. recording. <laughs> this, this is, it's funny. Well, yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll see it when you see it. It's funny. Um, but what, okay, so where did the teams come from over the weekend? So we had teams, this year we had teams from around Australia. So South Australia put in a team, which was great to have them back in our tournament. Then in our team, we actually put in a retired gliders, so Australian women's wheelchair basketball national team, so retired players from there. Who actually dominated. It was so yeah. good. It was so fun. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not going to lie, we may have filmed, I think you guys playing the Bullets. Yeah. And we're sitting there watching, and, and don't don't get embarrassed here, but I go to James, Bridie absolutely killed that game. The amount of lines that you hit, like perfect holes, and I was like, these guys know how to play basketball. Like, I know you're a gliders, but you still played in a social tournament really well. Yeah. Like, you were up all against... concerned about your age and, and not being playing so long <laughs> or whatnot. You were saying you this year coming back from retirement. You, you literally, you, you bl- like, you blew out Mackay, you blew out Hot Wheels, you blew out almost the Bullets. Yeah. You almost had them. Oh, you almost I don't know did. about that. But, yeah. But it was, yeah, it was good. It was, oh, it was incredible to actually get on court with former teammates because we we didn't really have to think about it. All the same communication was coming out and I think our brains picked up where we left off. As for our bodies, based on how I felt this week recovering, I'm like, oh, right, okay. But another thing, another thing for the team <laughs> that was, <hurts. laughs> was that there was what of the entire team, you had seven women, one male? Yeah, we had Sammy White, who's a who's a Australian roller. Yeah. So he did come and come and play for us. And there was yeah. a comment made, I think it was Sharon, my mum, talking to Macca, Matt McShane, who was playing for Mackay. Yeah. And she was asking him, Do you think do you think it's the female combination? Do you think that that's mm. it's the fact that there's no ego on the team? There's <sighs> no there's no nothing, no chip on the shoulder between all the boys trying to show each other up. Because you guys were playing the house down. Like you were playing so well. I remember watching Ella and Sammy the two of them would just come through yeah, and finish it off every play. But the, the, a lot of you, like Cameron was saying, the crossing between the courts. I remember talking with young Jack Kruger, who's actually been feeding for a mention on the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, so, I think so of his sisters as well, yeah, yeah, Hayley and Sarah. Sarah. So I said, mate, if there's a game to watch, it's this mm. game here. And it was yeah. it was you playing against, I want to say, Hot Wheels, the first one yeah. at the end of the first day. Mm. And I was like, mate, watch this game. Watch where they push. And he comes back to me, he goes, mate, she, that, 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 I think he was talking about you. And I was like, he was going through the numbers and I remember pointing at you and he's like, she is just right where she needs to be every time. Like she is killing it. I was like, mate, that's, if there's anyone to watch this, this weekend, it's, it's her. Like I, I made playing. the same comment, didn't I? Yeah. In the, the game that I was talking about, I was like, 
wow, Bridie, like that yeah. hole just opened yeah, up. Yeah, did. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. so nice, same guys. Comment. I'll come and do the podcast. <laughs> <you. laughs> no, no, seriously. I remember playing it on the seeds, the USC team. Yeah, USC I seeds that team year. in one tournament. Yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah, to play a lot. We had a, we had a cracking team. We yeah. didn't really do too well, though. I, I think, think we were in year. Premier Grade, but I think I think that's the other thing, like about wheelchair basketball, when we work on the reverse inclusion or the tournament, I remember that I love the game and then I play it and I really remember why I love it. It is <laughs> when you have a team that's in sync, like our team was over the weekend because obviously we played together for, for years, but we haven't played together for years and it just all came back. It rewards teamwork and just patience and there's just it's just a beautiful game of sport. I I've it really I think is. I forget that. Not not because I I just forget what it feels like to play because so much of what we do is now, you know, behind the scenes in delivering well, reverse yeah. inclusion programs or, you know, more administrative roles. And then to get back on court, I just was in my happy place of going, that's right. This is, this is the best game. It was so fun. But uh, I was going to say also like the way that we were reverse inclusion, Jack Kruger, who we we're just talking about, he doesn't have a disability. Yeah. Haley and Sarah do have a disability. Sorry, Sarah has a disability. Uh, and they were playing in the tournament together as yeah. family members in different teams and whatever else. Suncoast Spinners had a team with Logan Clark and Steve Clark and Matt and... That was our Murrayfield team? Yeah, and they, they were fathers and sons that ha did and didn't have a disability playing in the tournament and absolutely loved every yeah. moment of it. Oh. So the, the tournament itself has reverse inclusion in it. Oh, definitely. And beyond that, beyond that, really quickly, that team is a product of reverse inclusion yeah, yeah. and is a product of the Moreton Bay Sports Council yeah. Foundation that we started up because we mm -hmm. had players, so we did reverse inclusion. We had players in the Murrayfield area at schools that were like, how can I play regularly? And they're contacting us and they were driving from uh, Talabudgera to come and play yeah. at the Wednesday night program at USC. And it was like, well, look at this, we've got so many players. Like, let's start a program. Where can we start another program? Murrayfield. That kicked off gangbusters. And this is the first, I mean, you know, we had the two-year hiatus and it's been operating intermittently throughout yeah. COVID as best as we could operate within the guidelines. But then, you know, it's now grown to the fact that our satellite program is now able to enter a team into our tournament. Yeah, it's amazing. And, th and this tournament is the largest wheelchair basketball tournament in Australia annually. Yeah. Yeah, and to just have like to have family members playing—that's it. That's what it's all about. It's just too good. Okay, okay, hold on. Where or where is the line of reverse inclusion and then competition? Mm -hmm. So, for example, intellectual disabilities participating in wheelchair-based sports. I know exactly why opinion. you went there. <laughs> I think this is just a really tough, yeah, question. Well, I think at the moment, what I would say is the Paralympic Games is defined by a classification system. And that classification system will not change. So we, as a sport in the high performance world in, in Australia, need to think about pathways for wheelchair basketball in that classification model and think about who is who's, who is eligible and when they're eligible, that should be, I guess, the time when a, when a player gets offered pathways when they show potential that they could go on and, and represent Australia at the Paralympic Games. That's how it is at the moment. So spinners are not going to influence that. It's not yeah. our space. Totally separate. So yeah. wherever else, if the purpose, like spinners, is to provide social competition, which is what we do, then absolutely everyone who can play the game should be able to play the game. There are limits with wheelchair basketball. There are there are people with impairments that will not be able to play wheelchair basketball. And I am so 
proud that spinners have expanded to wheelchair rugby, which is a Paralympic sport that at the Paralympic level is for people with, you know, with quadriplegia or with that that, that have all four yeah. limbs affected by a p- impairment. So hopefully in that space we're opening up to, again, more people being able to play at spinners. But at the social level, I think people with any type of impairment should be should be are able to come and play wheelchair basketball if they can play can play can can push a wheelchair and participate in the rules of the sport and then in terms of pathways we don't do pathways at Suncoast Spinners we do inclusion but pathways we need to understand that that will be exclusive for those who are eligible for Paralympic sport should it be inclusive into an international level like I know with rugby league James can play without a disability to international level in wheelchair basketball or anything, is there a place for inclusion at the highest level? Oh, that is such a good question. There isn't, to my knowledge, a competition right now, but there could be. It wouldn't be the Paralympic Games at this stage. The Paralympic Games is the sporting movement for people with a with an impairment so it's not I don't think that's aligned to what the Paralympic Games would do with and that's across all the sports have classification systems so it would be like a separate world world cup or something for wheelchair basketball that would be I think that would be be pretty cool to have as a, another event not yes, in the Paralympics. Yeah, yeah, separate games. of the Paralympics, yeah. Because yeah. that is exclusive. As you That's exclusive. Before, yeah. Someone has said, why not the Olympics? If there was wheelchair basketball in the Olympics and abled athletes were allowed to play at that level or the Commonwealth Games, Lynn Anderson said the Commonwealth oh, Games. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So Com Games cool, or Olympics would I, be real. I had cool. never three thought of three. that, but that's really that's a really good way to put it. Like wheelchair wheelchair basketball as a sport, as an inclusive sport could be an awesome Olympic sport and then wheelchair basketball as the classified sport or the Paralympic sport. I, but then, but then, I haven't given see, it too I, much thought. I'm thinking of it now. But. I know what Lynn would say. Where are we going to put these athletes? Where are they going to play? Because they're already under strict conditions with the, already the number of play, players that they have, the number of sports they have. And if it keeps growing, then she brought up the fact that countries simply will not be able to afford to host the games. It'll go between three three different countries every time if we – expand on the number of athletes, expand on the number of sports. If we Lynn's to, amazing. You need to get her back great, on the pug, podcast and ask her these questions, I think. Yeah. I, mm. I won't say what I – yeah, I won't answer for anyone but myself. I think, yeah, that's the challenge is that uh, there are so many sports that could be, you know, have a, have a World Cup, World Championship, but we will only know if lots and lots of people play wheelchair basketball. So everyone should yeah. <laughs> come and try wheelchair so, basketball. Actually, this is, this is what, this is, um, so we were having our review or a, some form of a review recently, but Sharon and I always talk about, sorry, Sharon, my mum, we always talk about the tournament, which is basketball in everyday life. It's just in every conversation we have, it comes up. And I mentioned that we should do an able-bodied division to complete AB teams for Sunco Spinners tournament because – See, oh, you're tisking, you're tisking. Mm, I'm already, I'm already, I'm already. So I'm like, well, he, hear me out here because I'm like, why not get our sponsors, get get the team, the sponsor to submit a team, get the majority of our referees, able-bodied athletes, get them in. Because you have issues where you have like, you know, there's players in B grade that are playing in there because they're not good enough to play A grade and there's not a team there to sufficiently supply a team within the point system. Does that make sense? So that for those that don't yeah. know, there's 14 points spread across five players that are then individually classified between 1 and 4.5 for basketball. So, for example, A.B.'s Cameron and myself, we're both worth 4.5. Bridey Keane, as a double amp uh, from the ankles, is 4, 4 point. 
Is that correct? You're a full pointer? I'm a full pointer. Yeah. Yeah, full pointer. So these able athletes that are participating socially and then want to continue a pathway at a semi um, amateur level, at, for yeah. example, Sunco Spinners, have to play B grade, but they're then like stomping on top of kids that are on their like first time. But what about if it wasn't? I don't think it would. I think it could be just an open division, like a non-classifiable division, because you don't want to exclude people with an impairment from from no, those not. teams. So what if it was just this? This grade doesn't have a points system, or I yeah, yeah no, because I, no, I don't. I, I like that. I don't so think it, you want to separate separate it because that's then exclusive to yeah. people without a disability, which which is not what we want Absolutely. to achieve. Yeah, reverse inclusion. yeah, that we certainly want wasn't, it to be wasn't inclusive. The goal. Yeah, yeah. So it could just be a. So Lamped. you're looking at B grade classified and a B grade non classified. Yeah. B grade isn't classified anyway, and that's I think that's, that's why that's why yeah. I brought up the com- question before. So we have athletes that are competing with intellectual disabilities, right? Uh, but then the question comes back to certain athletes are playing in that in that division for a specific perfect per- mm-hmm. uh, purpose for development. They're there, and it serves for two purposes: social and development. And there are some players that are there for their development, and others that that are there for the social involvement. And I think sometimes that those two clash in that one in that, that one is, division. That is that—that's what I think is, and and I think that's where I was trying to point out before that with development, it's it's not also like playing the game is, and and so Canada did it where they had um, the black the, and the red aces. Yeah, so they did have a team that was training a training team against the national team who were comprised, I think, of four and a halves that were not classifiable. Yeah, that that did serve a, tra- a training purpose. But I think, yeah, I think that it's where we we still have a way to – or there can be different purposes of playing sport and maybe that's what drives a division. Like is this a social comp or is it a development pathways? Yeah, yeah it's tricky. Uh, I don't know. I'm uh, going around. Final stuff, question. I, I was going to say, no, I was going to throw it as to what Adam said. Who is it for in last episode? Adam Hill said, who's, it, who's the sport for? But the question I was going to say in that or way to look at it, would – a non-classified version of the game or with teams within the tournament uh, bracket, would that take away from the classified version of the I game? I think so. I do think so in that classification also, like it serves many purposes, but one of the things that I love about wheelchair basketball it, at the high, high level is a classification system because we have to, and I'm going to use the words of Ross Pinder. Um, from Paralympics Australia, I've heard him present about reimagining talent, that we don't want to compare talent in in Paralympic sport to able-bodied sport because it's it's somewhat easier to identify, I'm, I'm talking now from my own view, talent when when we compare, it's, it's like it's compared to the able-bodied version. So even on court, it might look like the four and a halves, shooting all the baskets and, you know, really dominating. But the work of the one-pointer is actually what's creating all that. And they might be the best player in the world, that one-pointer, and sometimes it, that then makes the four-and-a-half-pointer look good because they're sh- scoring all the baskets. And the us that know hero. the sport really well Sebastian know that talent looks different. And yet, so I think I do think that that would be problematic in that the classification system serves its purpose and what people that are new to the game might not realise is just the uniqueness of people's roles on court depending on their classification. You know so who would like a great person to system. discuss this further would be? Michael Frogley. Michael Frogley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, well, you and Sebastian said exactly what Bridie just said about the unsung hero that works hard, does all the hard work 
the but then the man of the matches try. gets the scores a try. Like that yeah. was exactly what we said in that episode. It really, the person that does all the work doesn't necessarily get the accolades. And that's okay. Oh, well, in the, in our team, our, our team should, in my view, look, because we know the game, we would then give the accolades yep. to that brilliant one-pointer who's done a phenomenal job of that seal. So uh, the more you know the game, the more you understand the value of players within the system. Absolutely. And it's pretty cool. I was going to say, I want to get Bridie to say where people can sign up to Sunco Spinners, what programs they have, and the tournament, signing up, registering, getting ready for when the tournament is each year, how people can be involved in Sunco Spinners as a general yeah, way that it all works. Yeah, can I can I provide some breaking news and then yeah. it'll it'll mean that spinners have to release this very exciting information by hey, the time you guys a, release this is an the podcast. Exclusive. This is a this first. Is, yeah. This is an exclusive. The tournament for 2024 will be the 19th, 20th, and 21st of January at, in Caloundra. Ooh, and when can Dates people released. register? Dates released. So registrations are not open yet, but that information will all come through our socials and our website and you can get involved. It's all available on our website, suncospinners.com or .com.au. That's about you. Yeah, www.suncospinners.com.au. And our Facebook site. And in terms of our programs, which will get back up and running soon once school starts, I believe, again, check check our socials for up-to-date information. But Wednesday nights we have a kids' club. We also have a regular social program, both for wheelchair basketball on a Wednesday night. And then our Saturday wheelchair rugby program won't be every Saturday. So, again, check our socials for updates, but that will be Saturday morning. And, of course, all programs are available to people of all abilities. It's just our kids' club is obviously just available for, for kids, I think, and they're, they're their grown-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, so the kids' program is five till six, USC Stadium. Yeah, USC Stadium. Wednesday yeah. night, uh six thirty to eight thirty social program, USC Stadium. Friday nights thirty to eight thirty is Murrayfield. Yeah, yeah. And then every second, second weekend, week. again, I'll we'll direct you to our Facebook and website for the specific dates and times. We also have Mergen. South yep. Burnett, which is on Saturdays. I don't know the Saturdays. time. Please just check our website. Socials. And if you live around Australia or internationally, check out wheelchair basketball clubs because most of them are open to to everyone. I'd yeah. say. If there's wheelchair basketball clubs out there that want to be a part of the work, uh, reverse inclusion initiative, is there a way that they can be involved in that or bring the reverse inclusion initiative to their club and oh, still be a part of the Suncoast Spinners? And we will share we will share what what has worked for us. We we have worked with lots of clubs, more so in Queensland, on growing programs and using reverse inclusion as a as a way to definitely do that. Last thing I wanted to ask was tournament. You said A grade, B grade, and Premier grade. How yep. does that break down for all teams that are looking at entering the tournament? Uh, you know, you don't have to have a disability. You can still play in the tournament. Yep. And if you don't have a team and you want to be an individual, is there a way to register or not? At this stage, it's team reg- registrations, but I would recommend if anyone's listening and does want to learn more to just reach out to us at info at suncospinners.com.au as early as possible. Registrations won't open until later in the year, but it's great if we know who's out there and who's planning on coming coming in T24. We can yeah. work closely and we're, with you. We're certainly expecting to be over capacity yeah so we will it will be it there is a, a limit yeah, um definitely. so we're urging everyone to get their teams together and let us know yeah james take a seat team um well that's what i tried to do this year but due to contracts it was unavailable <laughs> <laughs> um well thank you very much Bridie. thank you so much for giving your time and speaking with us it was amazing to have you here finally and been tracking down for a little while yeah we got you here <laughs> and yeah thank you so much for taking a seat with us and sharing everything thank you guys 
Thanks for listening to this episode. We appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast, but most importantly, sharing it with people you think it will impact the most. Before we go, again, a massive thanks to our sponsor, the Sunco Spinners. The Sunco Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow the Sunco Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at sunkospinners.com.au. 